Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Forget facts. Forget logic. Forget everything that seems real. Just trust. Believe. <laughs> In the 80s, I made friends with a group of kids and formed a curious kind of club. We had all met each other at one time or another in the historical section of the school library. We were all looking for books on Civil War battles in the Northern Virginia area. All of us at one time or another had experiences with ghostly soldier apparitions in Union and Confederate uniforms along with other unexplainable happenings in our homes. When our parents and friends failed to believe or understand us, we had each other. I developed what you would call a gift during those fateful days. I could feel when an apparition was in close proximity and follow it to its precise location. I feel when a wanderer is passing through the room, or when one is tethered to it or an object. Like right now, I sense the same strong presence outside between the deck and the woods. It's tethered to a dying old oak tree. It walks the woods, but it always comes back to that specific tree. I always wonder what kind of apparition it might be. I won't go looking for it, though. I learned later as I got older. That's just inviting trouble. In Virginia, there are Civil War historical site parks all over the state. However, the entire region was rife with smaller, bloody battles and skirmishes. Our club discussed and cataloged, with the total seriousness of scientists, areas where we experienced paranormal activities and the places some of us refused to go because it caused overwhelming dread just to be close. Years later, I discovered my absolute dread place. Ox Hill Battlefield Park, nestled between an apartment complex and a shopping center, shrouded in dense pine trees like tall gates. This deeply sunken plot isn't even half an acre of land. I first came upon it on my bike, under a bright sky. Something called me from its depths as I pedaled on an adjoining sidewalk. I stopped and felt the singular, powerful entity and smelled smoke, as if something acrid were burning. It called to me to come closer. I wanted to, like some possessed paranormal addict. I was suppressing the need to walk into the trees and down the hill to whatever was waiting for me. I hadn't moved an inch, but I was staring so hard trying to see anything, something through the trees. 
an elderly lady and her leashed tiny dog walked past me and broke my focus. I was horrified. The number one rule of the club was never acknowledge any entities, no matter what. Some of us had learned the hard way. You do not acknowledge the dead. And here I was, drunkenly mesmerized, to go have tea with that thing at the bottom of the hill. It was a pure seductive drug for a young curious mind like mine. But I made myself slowly pedal away, fighting the urge to go back. As much as I wanted to know what it was, I was terrified of it. At the next meeting, I discussed it with the others and we cataloged my dread place. However, afterwards, other members had visited that site from a safe distance and felt scared as well. Some had felt nothing and even entered the park. Others had never felt anything so menacing. They had encouraged me to ignore it and never go there again. I didn't for years. Plenty of times I had driven past and felt its distant call. But it never had the pull that it did since that first day. I've watched people enter that park and walk their dogs over the years. I tamped down the urge to run over and scream at them about danger. However, nothing happened. People and their dogs came and went. There were no reports of disappearances or grisly murders near the park. Still, I felt the call, but I started to relax, thinking maybe it wasn't as dangerous as I had felt it. Maybe I was just paranoid. In 2000, I became friends with a guy who we'll call John. We had many things in common, including interests in the supernatural. One late night, we were discussing a recent supernatural movie over dinner. We were at IHOP when the conversation progressed to haunted locations around town. I had never mentioned my dread place to anyone outside of the club before I confided in my new friend. He was intrigued and wanted to visit right away. I was adamant that we shouldn't go, but he stated that he would go without me. I didn't want to go, but I couldn't let him go by himself. If something happened to him, it would be my fault. So at his suggestion, we stopped by a local Catholic church where he actually grabbed some holy water and we made our way to the park. We parked in the shopping center across the street from the park. Some cars were scattered about, but there was no one in sight. The lot was still and quiet like the humid night air. I breathed it in deeply, trying to calm my racing heart as alarm bells skittered up and down my spine. John walked across the street and quietly followed behind, feeling the dread mount as we crossed. He turned to look at me a few times to make sure that I was still there. I was moving so quietly and deliberately, as if any small noise that I make would be the end of us. He stopped suddenly at the trees and said, There's something down there. I wanted to scream at him, but I stayed silent. I was convincing myself repeatedly that ditching a friend was a dastardly, cowardly act. He started to awkwardly move into the trees and down the hill as I continued to scream inside my head. The call pulsed stronger 
as we moved to the base of the hill. The burnt smell was everywhere. Then I felt it. It was pitch black down there. I couldn't make out a thing except for odd shapes, but I still felt it coming towards us. The ground shook beneath my feet. I felt vibrations up my neck just choking me. John let out this gurgled cry and started scrambling up the hill. It took me a full second to register that he was fleeing, leaving me there. I ran after him. That man was scared shitless and beating me up that hill. John breathlessly murmured, Fuck, fuck, fuck. It was like a prayer as we broke through the trees and ran into the empty street under the streetlights. I turned and I saw it. It was huge, at least nine feet tall. From its arms, chest to neck, were thick roped muscles. It had a protruding mouth and wide yellow eyes. From the chest, its body tapered into a short, thick end of a snake. It was covered in rosy skin, smooth and flush, with blood and vitality. John stopped across the street and turned back. He asked me if it was still there. I told him that it was in front of us, on the street. He couldn't see it. It was using its hands to drag its body back and forth in the middle of the street. It was tethered to the park, and the street was some kind of boundary, for which I was entirely grateful. The intelligent eyes followed our every move. It looked angry and frustrated. It was calculating the situation, trying to figure out the next move to get to us. I didn't tell John it was looking at him like he was a big snack, but it was. The calling felt stronger now, a more persistent demand. I placed my hands over my mouth, afraid that I would call out to it. It emanated pure evil, yet pulled me in like some kind of lost lover. I couldn't move, I could barely think. It was both terrifying and intoxicating. This demon siren was using its call to bring me closer. John stepped out into the street. I grabbed his arm, pulled him back, and told him that if he went further, he might not come back. We moved slightly up the hill to the parking lot and turned to look back at the street. John asked me if it was still there and what I saw. I described it, including the look that it gave us. A look of complete and utter disappointment. It was focused on us. The face was so human in its expressions. In one moment trying to appear as some kind of puppy. And in the next, red rage etched across its face. It must have been human once or learned to mimic human expression. Its face contorted from pleading to a wide mouth grin so disturbing that it made the hair all over my body stand up. I turned and walked slowly away. The calling persisted. Fighting against it was giving me a headache. I had never met a demon before that night. I don't know if I believed in their existence. Ghosts, sure. But demons. They were up there with angels and God 
So if demons exist, I thought, does that mean God exists? We drove to John's house so I could retrieve my car. John was excited, giddy, and animated. I drove home exhausted and slept like the dead. The following afternoon, I updated the club catalog. Later, I learned John was a fanatical Catholic cultish prick. One night, I was over at his house with him and one of his friends. I was tired, so I laid down on the sofa and closed my eyes while they finished up a video game. I thought I was asleep and proceeded to talk about the demon experience. He was blaming me for attracting the demon and making statements that I must be possessed by the devil. He sprinkled holy water on my head for laughs, and I jerked in my sleep as if I were burned. He excitedly exclaimed that he was right and went on blathering about my quote-unquote possession. Everything made sense to him all of a sudden. I must be communed to the devil. Then he started to discuss what to do with me and how to perform an exorcism on me in this fervent tone as if he were preaching to the masses. Holding me down in a bathtub of holy water and pressing crosses against my flesh were some of the highlights. He sounded gleefully evil, relishing in the thoughts of hurting me. I guess I could have cut him out faster. I could have told him that I was awake and heard everything that he said that night. But I hadn't wanted to confront him. Something told me that that would have been more dangerous. It would have put my life on a more lethal path with him. So I started to slowly and gently phase him out of my life. I went along with him to Catholic churches and showed him that I didn't burst into flames once we went inside. I touched holy water while we were there and made signs of the cross on my forehead. He directed this and then watched intently for any signs. Also, I wore my cross from my childhood Presbyterian days, from when my parents used to drag me to church every Sunday. He was truly disappointed that I showed no signs of the devil. He was looking for any tiny reason to perform an exorcism on me, and I worked very hard not to give him one. After a while, John seemed to lose his fervor. It wasn't fun for him any longer. As I became less of a target for his fanaticism, I quietly disengaged from him and let him go. I realized that I escaped two demons. One was supernatural and the other was definitely human. To this day, when driving by that park, I can still feel the calling and this chill running up my spine and a quick drop in my gut. I haven't been back. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. 
Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. This story took place when I was 16 years old. For context, I am Muslim and we believe in an entity called jinn, like the blue wish-granting genie from Aladdin, but much scarier, mischievous, and only wish-granting if something more sinister is given in return. One night while I was asleep, I felt someone grab me by my shoulders and shake me so violently it caused me to wake up. As my eyes adjusted, I was confused because I saw no one in the room with me. I shrugged, thought it must have been part of my dream, and went back to sleep, only for it to happen again, and this time even more aggressively. I got scared this time, and got out of my bed to check every inch of mine and my sister's room, to make sure no one was hiding in there. I would like to point out that my house was built in the early 1900s, and to get to my bedroom, you would have to enter my sister's room. This detail is important for later. So I decided to see if my sister was awake, but she was fast asleep. Fear loomed over me, as I could only conclude that it must be a djinn messing with me. Growing up, I heard many encounters with djinn that terrified me to the bone. Think of the djinn as demons, ghosts, ghouls, and shapeshifters, all mushed into one. Terrifying. Scared about what to do, my best bet was to ignore it and not look scared. I put my mind at ease by browsing the internet for a while. After some time, I felt more at ease and even half-believed that I maybe dreamt everything. So I repositioned myself and fell asleep once again. Once I was fast asleep, I was awakened by the most whiplash-worthy aggressive shake. My fears became true as I immediately knew it was a djinn. Freaking out but too scared to show it, I opened my laptop and saw it was ten minutes until it was time for me to pray, just at the peak of sunrise. We are taught that prayer is one of the best ways to ward off djinn, so I came up with a plan in my head to make ablution, which is a simple water cleanse that is mandatory before prayer. Then I planned to pray as soon as possible afterwards, in an attempt to ward off this djinn. Growing up with djinn stories, I often heard that they were easy to fool, so I yawned and said, I'm so tired, but I need to pee. I got up, walked to the bathroom calmly, closed the door, and did my ablution. Afterwards, I walked back to my bedroom and hurriedly went into praying. I was midway into prayer when I started to hear loud footsteps running, which were also kind of making this weird shuffling, stomping noise on the carpet in my sister's room. It was coming towards my direction, and then abruptly stopped right in my doorway, a few feet from where I was praying. I finished my prayer not even thirty seconds later, took a deep breath, and then with every ounce of courage in my body, 
looked in the doorway. Nothing. Mind you, I didn't hear a single footstep walk away, so if the running was from a human, they would still be there in my doorway. I don't know what distracted the djinn during the time it took to make my ablution and start praying, but I am so glad I was able to escape whatever mischievous plan it had for me. Ever since I was four, my parents, sister, and I have lived in a very old house in a small village in England. The house was built in the 1600s and still has a lot of original features. Over time, it has been a doctor's surgery, a school for girls, a post office, and a cobbler's. The village was also supposedly where one of the biggest witch gatherings took place in medieval times. You enter the house from the side, and a large portion of the house backs onto the street with no turnings or alleyways. I now live in the next village, very close by, and there is an old legend that says Daddy Witch, a very important witch from the medieval times, is buried under a crossroads in the village. Supposedly, that patch of road never gets wet even when it rains. They also say that there is always one witch in the village. But if you ever find out who it is, something terrible will happen to you. They say that the witch can see ghosts and are visited by spirits. When I was about seven, my mom was trying to get my sisters and I in the car. I was looking down the street near the crossroads and walking towards me was a very little and frail-looking old man. He had a walking stick. He was wearing a brown suit and hat. He had bright white hair and smart shoes. He did have a very kind face as he waved at me. I smiled and waved back. He was walking down the street in our direction very slowly and without difficulty. My mom called my name and I quickly turned to answer her. When I looked back, the man was gone. Nowhere to be seen. There are no alleyways. There are no other houses. He would have had to run right past me or cross the road and run away within just a few seconds. But he was an elderly man and he could barely walk. Our street is cobbled and so hard to walk on if you're unsteady. It obviously freaked me out and when I mentioned it to my parents, they said that they hadn't seen anyone around. But I never forgot about this experience. Years later, we were going through some stuff that we found in the attic, and behind a walled panel in my childhood bedroom, there were photos and ledgers from when the house was a cobbler's. It was around the early 1900s. I couldn't remember exactly what the man that I had seen the years before looked like, but there was a photo with the documents, and it was the man with that very kind face. Not as old as the one that I had seen, but I knew that it was that same man. About 15 years after I saw him, I saw him again. He smiled and waved at me through my mom's dining room window, which corresponded with the spot I had previously saw him on the street. 
I was so freaked out. I just ran into the next room. I'm now 28 and wonder if I'll ever see that man again. My husband always jokes that maybe I'm the village witch seeing ghosts and I don't know it. But seriously, who is the old man? My husband says he's a ghost. My dad says he's a guardian angel and my mom says that I'm making it up. I like to tell myself he is an angel and it makes me feel better. But who knows? Need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM. This is a pretty disturbing story, and while I begin to tell it, I can feel goosebumps on my skin. My daughter Lisa is the sunshine of our life. My wife and I can't live without her, but four years back, we almost lost her to a terrible accident. It all started when Lisa turned five years old. I am a graphic designer and my wife teaches at the preschool, so basically I'm a full-time dad as well. I love spending time with my kid, but whenever I get too busy with work, I give Lisa small tasks to keep her busy until my work is done. Among every other activity, Lisa loves to draw. She picked it up at a very young age. Whatever ideas she thinks of or has an interest in, she sketches them in her drawing book with her tiny little hands, and I just adore this quality in her. So it was a regular Monday evening. My wife was watching TV in the living room, and I was working in my studio. Lisa was playing with her monster truck sitting on the couch right next to me. She is a quiet kid, which is why I loved having her around, even though I was working. Everything was fine until she struck up a weird conversation with me. Daddy? Without taking my eyes off the computer screen, I replied, Yes, my darling. Can I ask you a question? Sure, what is it? Can Spike sleep in my bed tonight? Hearing this unknown name, I turned to look at her. She was still playing with her monster truck in the same casual way. Who is Spike? My friend. Is he a friend from school? No. He lives under my bed. I frowned and thought this was a bit unusual. I never expected Lisa to have an imaginary friend, so out of mere curiosity I asked, Why does he live under your bed? Lisa looked at me and shrugged her shoulders, saying, I don't know. Realizing this was just a phase, and it is quite normal for kids to have imaginary friends, I said, Sure, he can sleep on your bed if that makes you happy. She gave me a joyful smile, and the matter ended there, at least 
for then. The next morning, I came downstairs and my wife said Lisa asked for an extra pillow that night when she went to tuck her into bed. I worked late nights, so I had no idea this happened. My wife further told me that Lisa said it was for her friend Spike and that I have permitted him to sleep on her bed. Recalling the conversation with my daughter yesterday, I explained everything to my wife. Though I didn't bother much about this imaginary friend thing, my wife certainly didn't seem happy about it. She said I should not encourage such behavior, as it was quite creepy. I laughed at her thoughts, but within the next few weeks, I too realized something was off about this entire thing. It was a rainy afternoon. Lisa was out to see her grandma with my wife, and I was cleaning the house out of boredom. I entered Lisa's room, thinking to arrange her toys, when I noticed her sketchbook peeking from underneath her pillow. It was as if she purposefully left it there so that no one could see it. My curiosity got the best of me, and I opened her sketchbook. The first three pages were fine. The horror began on page four. Lisa had drawn something very disturbing. She drew all three of us standing in our garden, holding hands, but there was a fourth character in that picture as well. A human figure that looked like a kid was also standing beside us, except that kid had no face and there was a big hole on his head. Above his character, Lisa wrote his name, Spike. Feeling freaked out by this, I waited for my daughter to come home so that I could confront her about this. When she came home, I showed her the drawing and asked, Is this your friend Spike? She quickly looked at me and then, scaring the hell out of me, looked behind me, as if someone was standing right there. I quickly turned around but didn't see anyone. By this time, my wife also noticed the tension between us, so she quietly stood beside me. What is there, Lisa? Nothing. You didn't answer my question. Is this your friend Spike? Yes. Why does he have a hole on his head? Oh, Daddy, you are so silly. That's not a hole. That's his eye. What? Where is his other eye, then? He has no other eye. He is my one-eyed friend. At this point, I could feel a cold wave of fear rush down my spine. My wife and I exchanged a fearful look, and then I crouched down to Lisa's level. I didn't want to intimidate her because moments like these for kids can be very impressionable. With my trembling hands, I caressed her cheek and said, Why does Spike have one eye? He said he was born different. That's why his mommy and daddy didn't want him. My wife's face turned completely pale like she was about to have a heart attack. I too was shocked and didn't know what to say for a while. I let out a deep breath and said, What else did Spike tell you? He said you and Bommy want a little brother for me, and once I get one, you won't want me anymore. Now, this is where I always shat my pants. Last night, my wife and I had this conversation about trying for a boy so that Lisa gets a sibling, but there's no way Lisa could have known about this. 
It all happened in utmost privacy, and I can assure you, when we had this conversation, Lisa was deeply asleep in her room. My wife almost burst out into tears, and I immediately hugged Lisa, saying, No, that's never going to happen. Mommy and Daddy will always love you the same way we do now. I don't know why you are thinking all of this, darling. You know Spike is not real, right? He is just in your mind. You won't even remember him once you grow up. This is all just a... Before I could finish, the light bulb in our living room burst with a bang, shattering broken glass everywhere. We were so stunned by this unexpected event that we froze like statues. That night, Lisa slept in bed with me and my wife. It was around 2.15 in the morning when I heard a weeping sound coming from a close distance. The room was in darkness, and the only source of light was the moonlight coming from the window behind me. I opened my sleepy eyes and saw a kid standing near my feet and weeping. Thinking it was Lisa, I said in a dizzy voice, Lisa, why are you, why are you crying? It's late. Come on, sleep between mommy and daddy. But she kept weeping constantly. Her entire body was in darkness, so I could barely see her face. Being a bit surprised by the fact that my wife couldn't hear any of this as she was sleeping like a rock, I got up onto my bed to grab Lisa's hand. As I stretched my hand towards her, she too placed her hand on mine. Her hand was so cold that it almost gave me frostbite. What the hell? Why is your... Saying this, I looked beside me and saw Lisa was also sleeping. As I slowly turned back to this unknown kid standing near my bed, my heart dropped into my stomach. A distorted, tiny human figure resurfaced from the dark. The moonlight fell on its face and I realized I had been talking to my daughter's imaginary friend, Spike, all this time. Lisa was right. The kid had only one eye located right between his head. His skin was horrible, filled with red patches. It seemed like he had been burnt. He kept staring at me with one eye, and then blinked. Slowly, tears of blood started to drip from his eye when he opened his mouth, letting out a silent scream. I couldn't bear this terrifying sight anymore and ended up crying out loud. My wife and Lisa woke up hearing my spine-chilling scream and switched on the lights. As soon as the lights hit the room, the scary kid was nowhere to be seen. My wife and I couldn't sleep the entire night. Though I told her it was just a nightmare, she felt something off-putting about my behavior. The next morning, I left the house and went to stay with my parents. I told my dad about this entire messed-up incident and he did some digging on the previous owner of our house. We found that before us, there lived a family of three, the Carmens. Mr. and Mrs. Carmen had a son who was prematurely born. Unfortunately, the kid died due to complications when he was five years old. It was said that the kid was born with a single eye, and his name was Spike. His parents despised him, and no one knows how exactly that kid died. Some even say his parents killed him out of anguish and hatred. That was the last time I saw Spike.
Lisa suddenly stopped talking about him after we shifted to a new house. If you ask me, I feel really bad for that poor kid. If anyone deserved to die, it was his horrible parents. That's for sure. A new year full of surprises. But one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Don't forget, if you want to get the ad-free version of this week's episode and all of the past episodes, as well as upcoming bonus content, all at a higher quality audio bitrate, head over to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash oddtrails today to support the show. We'll have a lot of bonus content as well coming your way very, very soon. And thank you for listening to this week's episode of Odd Trails. This week you have heard The Calling and The Exorcist by The Wanderer. The Jinn Who Shook Me by Liana Am I a Witch? Is He a Ghost? by Charlotte And finally, One-Eyed Friend by Aritri All of the stories you've heard this week were narrated and produced with the permission of their respective authors. Remember, if you have a story to share, send it to us at stories at oddtrails.com So I was up on one of my many ebay nights my rabbit holes you tend to do that we'll be on discord just doing our business meetings and then you'll be spaced out and you'll just be like sorry i was on ebay yeah i have a problem with buying ebay stuff i like to buy not only haunted items but also just like collectibles that are old like antiques and things like that i like i just like keeping that stuff in my house but i got distracted by the haunted doll market you went down that rabbit hole. Yeah, I did. Wow. I did. Um, I'm really debating on pulling the trigger on this one. It's it's just like 50 bucks. It's not too bad for a spirit. Um, this one is called Debbie. It's 42 years old, and it's a negative spirit. So I, I know you're thinking, why would you want to buy a negative spirit doll? I can think of four reasons. Okay. <laughs> so it is a negative energy. It is a negative spirit. However, I'm just, I'm, I like living life on the edge. I'm a little risky. Yeah, let it be a little uh, guinea pig doll. Exactly. I'm curious about the haunt. I mean, dolls are so creepy as it is. I'm curious about this haunted doll market. 
are these people ripping people off or are these are these actually possessed by real spirits so why don't you go ahead and read the description okay yeah so basically <laughs> i was telling you a little bit about this but mm-hmm. i'll just read it verbatim here this is debbie she's 42 years old uh, her vessel is 13 inches tall that's the doll the doll is the vessel Debbie is going to take a special kind of home. She's a negative spirit, and the last home said that they would hear her whisper profanities, then stop when they came in the room. And this was the big selling point for me. Yeah, that she had a potty mouth. Exactly. I want a potty mouth doll. Uh, I haven't had that happen yet, but when asking her if she's angry, she always responds with, yes. If you're going to adopt Debbie, you need to know what you're getting yourself into. She probably won't act like she likes you, but she won't hurt you either. Oh, good. Another reason I want to get her. She's not hurting anybody. She's just mischievous. Lives life on the wild side. Exactly. Debbie was killed by a man that she was seeing at the time. She was a waitress, and he was a regular customer. He brainwashed her into moving out of state and away from her family. Sadly, she says her family doesn't even know that she's deceased. Debbie does like car rides. Classic rock. <laughs> and of course, she loves cigarettes, it cigarettes. says. Cigarettes. <laughs> yes, with an LOL. An LOL in, in, in the description. eBay description. <laughs> LOL on eBay. Well, when you get her, don't forget to give her a gift and light a white candle and some incense to welcome her spirit. I'm already prepared. Some of my patrons for Let's Not Meet sent me these items already. Uh, Before deciding that you want her, you need to realize that by having Debbie, you are welcoming a spirit into your home. Some people think of some of the experiences as negative and scary, like seeing or feeling a presence in your home, lights dimming, strange sounds, or feeling touches while no one is there. These are all normal and do not mean that the spirit is negative. It just means that in fact, there is a spirit in your home. Due to eBay's policies, I must list any dolls as entertainment purposes only, but they are all a responsibility and require much attention and care. Please don't bid unless you are ready and able to commit. Please be sure. <laughs> it's like adopting a dog. Yeah, like, exactly. Absolutely. Serious yeah. bidders only. <laughs> Please be sure that you want your uh, your spirit before adopting. I do not accept cancellations or refunds. So if you get the doll and there's no spirit, no things happening, she's not going to refund you. So yeah, I want it because they, they say that it's a negative spirit. But I when I read this description, this isn't negative to me at all. I don't see this anything. This is entertaining. Negative. This no. is silly. This is uh uh this is just a little mischievous spirit. That's all it is. That I'd like to have around the house. Um so I, I don't know. You guys let me know. Should I pull the trigger? It's been listed for a while. I, I don't think anyone's going to snatch this from me. Uh, but if you uh, if you think I should get the doll, please let us know. Send us a, an email or a comment on social media. If not, let me know. I'm going to go ahead and say my vote is no and not because I want to beat you to the punch and buy it before you. <laughs> I guess I should buy it before this episode airs because I don't Ooh. want somebody snatching it out from underneath me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't look up Debbie, 42 years old, negative spirit, moody, tag along on eBay. But thanks everyone <laughs> for listening. Uh, we'll see you all next week for a brand new episode of Odd Trails. Stay safe. Goodbye. Goodbye.